Whether you like it or not, you're a gardener. Garden his world to make it better, to pull out its potential, to take the rawness, organize it, and you know, arrange it and build upon it, make it bigger and better. That's who we are essentially as God's image bearers. Hello there, friend. Welcome. Today, we have a special guest, Dustin Johnson from Charlotte, North Carolina. His website is called Christ and Capital, tagline, love God, love neighbor, build something. And what is today's theme? It's Bernie versus Christ the Capitalist. Now, if you're in college, if you have liberal college professors, you're going to want to share this episode with them. Give them a cortisol shot that they will remember for the rest of their lives. No, I'm just kidding about that. Is Jesus Christ a capitalist? Is God a capitalist or is he a socialist? Well, listen, we're not about getting into politics so much. We're we're talking about Bernie Sanders, of course. Bernie Sanders, all right, versus Christ the capitalist. If you're listening internationally, as we mentioned in this episode, wow, as you kind of listen into American political process and the election year, I know it looks very weird internationally. It's quite radical. It looks quite radical to us, and we live here. It's not so much about politics. We're concerned about larger issues, really worldview issues, narrative issues, theological issues. Let me share a little secret with you. We understand politics, okay? That's up in our face, up in our grill all the time. Upstream from politics is culture. And upstream from culture are worldview issues. And even further back, theology, philosophy, belief systems. What you believe trickles down into worldview. That's how we see, how we process and interpret what we see, how we think, the paradigms, the the lenses through which we view reality. And then that shapes culture and politics as an expression of culture. That's how that flow works. So we're not going to get political here. Don't turn this off. We're concerned about larger issues than that. Welcome, Jesus Smart, the podcast, episode 112. In this episode, the first half of our discussion with Dustin Johnson, we're going to be looking at the Garden of Eden as seminal DNA. It's filled with kingdom DNA, filled with precedents and patterns, which find their ultimate expression and fulfillment in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Really, what does it mean to be created in God's image? What does that mean? What is our role? What is our functionality? Adam, where are you? That question by, I believe, Christ in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. What's behind that question? Are we really vice regents, vice royalty, designed to execute and to reign on behalf of the ultimate king? God, Christ, he is sovereign, but he's given us the functionality and capacity of dominion expression. It's a great conversation. This is just the first half, 112. Catch it. I believe there's voltage on it. I think it's going to shape your thinking. Here's Dustin Johnson. Well, what uh, what better way during this political season in the United States? And I tell you, if you're listening internationally, I know that looking into the political process in America is quite a curious event. It's quite different than a lot of the nations of the world. But yeah, we're we're in a great time of uh, 
political controversy and debate in the primary season for the Democratic Party. And today's topic is Bernie versus Christ the Capitalist. And we have with us Dustin Johnson of Christ and Capital. Subtitle of the site is Love God, Love Neighbor, Build Something. You can check out his site at ChristandCapital.com. Dustin, what in the world? First, first, thank you for being with us and carving out some time today. How did you come about uh, to, to begin to create this content about, about Christ as a capitalist, Christ and Capital? I have I work in the financial services industry. Um, I've always, ever since I graduated from school, um, I've always had an interest in finance and accounting and um, economics and all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, during the time I was in school, uh, I was coming to make Christianity or kind of coming into um, making okay. the faith my own, kind of taking it on as my personal um, personal faith. I grew up in the church, but um, I really started diving into the scriptures okay. while I was in school, um, learning about all these financial topics. And so, you know, after school and I'm, I'm seeing these two, two interests in my life, I, I kind of want to show how those things are married together. They, they, they do come together and they, um, it's brought to the forefront in, um, in our political economic arena. So that's what Christ in Capital is all about. The idea is just, you know, everyone has capital and they're required to use it by God to make a return for, you know, the advancement of his, his kingdom. Um, and so that's kind of the gist of, of Christ in Capital. Uh, it started as a blog. Um, I'm dabbling in podcasting. So um, people can go onto my site and see uh, see different things I've written. Some of the most recent ones that I've, I've wrote are um, ones called Mark's to each according to his need and Jesus to mm-hmm. each according to his ability. And that is kind of a comparison between the philosophies of Marx uh, and the philosophies that Jesus kind of presents. Yeah, that's to a us very in interesting gospels. piece of content there. And then there's another one called Jesus and the Prophet Motive, which dives into the the principles underlying the parable of the talents, Absolutely. which I think we can probably get yeah, into. Yeah, Matthew this, 25, that's going to be big today. Yeah, so, I mean, do you have yet professors and yeah. college students, like, protesting outside your home? Is that happening yet? <laughs> no, no, okay. not yet, not yet. I'm still a little blip on the well, screen. So. Yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm yeah, not gonna that's right. Your footprint's going to increase, but... and with that will come some uh, some persecution, I suppose. Um, yeah, we, we uh, live near one of the great liberal bastions, uh, uh, Oberlin College. You know, we're about eight miles from Oberlin College in Ohio, and so, um, you know, maybe as an experiment, we could take a Facebook ad and target that zip code with this episode and give out your social handles, see if anything happens. There you go. How's that sound? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, be careful. That's right. Be careful. Well, yeah, I have to be careful because I might have some overland students coming after me. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen yet. Okay, so yeah, we're not coming into your earbuds today to make a big political statement about, you know, Bernie Sanders or the presidential race in 2020 in, in the United States. Um, you know, we're not, uh, we don't want to enter the fracas of the interwebs here and, um, Everything that's going on there, we're we're really concer- concerned about uh, looking at higher higher order issues, macro issues, and Jesus. You know, it says in John one eighteen that Jesus came to us and he exegetes or he explains or declares what God the Father is like to us. And so you're saying that Jesus is a capitalist. That's what you seem to be inferring in your website, right? So are, is God <laughs> yeah, yeah. is God a capitalist, Dustin? So I I want to be careful to make this distinction because. I don't want people to go to the go, you know, 
think that I'm saying that, you know, when we go to the scriptures, we are, um, we can see that God, that Christ is a capitalist. Um, you know, that it's not going to say it like that, but I do think that the fundamental philosophy behind capitalism is more consistent with the way God made the world and made mankind, um, than is, you know, all the other alternative, um, economic philosophies. Yeah. So, so what is a capitalist? A capitalist is uh, someone who holds to the ideas that um, people own property, they own personal property, uh, and they are, a, they are able and um, entitled to use that property to do, um, to you know, use to achieve achieve the objectives or to make a return, uh, or what whatever they want to do. It's it's their personal property, and I think the the very first instance of that per- mm-hmm. personal property is the self, the life okay. that God gave you in the first place. So every, every uh, piece, every capital that you get, you know, subsequent to, you know, life, give, being given life by God is based on that first instance of your body, yourself, the, your, your own personal um, life. So are you referring to here, so like to skills uh, or, that, or, or um, you know, abilities, talents? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so we're all born with, um, well, we're born into certain circumstances and we have certain character traits about us. We, um, we take on certain interests and certain hobbies and things like that. Um, and those are things that, that come from God in the first instance. Um, and those are the things that he calls us to use, um, to advance his kingdom. And we'll probably get into that, um, in just a little bit, but that's the general, the gist of it is that we all are born with capital, and we're required to use it by God to make a return. To multiply it. Work. So let's let's talk about the Garden of Eden, because I, I think the book of Genesis, it means the book of beginnings, and the Garden of Eden, and really the whole book of Genesis, yep. but perhaps especially the Garden of Eden, is really a seminal window to look into. It's sort of filled with, can we say filled with kingdom DNA? And, you know, we just see a lot there yes. that just flowers and, and, and unfolds throughout the scriptures from that point on. Yeah, what do you, what do you mm-hmm. see in the garden specifically, Adam and Eve, in the garden? Let's say Genesis chapters 1 and 2 and, and maybe 3. Yeah. So, uh, like I was saying, the very first instance that of, of our capital that is the things that God gave us, which is, first and foremost, our own body. So, um, what we see in, um, in Genesis is that God creates man. Um, he creates mankind in his image. I think maybe to kind of back up from that a little bit, um, the first, the very first thing we see is that God creates. And I think later on in the scriptures, it says the earth is the Lord's right. and the fullness thereof. And so every, everything in this, in this world is his, it, it, it's his, you know, at the bottom level, it belongs to him. Um, and so he creates man and gives him dominion and it gives him, um, responsibility to garden his world, and that's that's mankind's task in Eden was to fill yeah, and subdue to, the to, earth. Yeah, to uh, multiply. I think you're quoting Psalm 24, one there: "The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and those who dwell therein." There's another corollary verse that I really enjoy mm-hmm. in Psalm 115. I think it's verse 16: "The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given, or some translate translated as assigned from the Hebrew to man. You know, the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth. So. It all belongs to God, but we are put here as, can we say, stewards, managers to cultivate? Yep. We're gardeners. Whether you like it or not, you're a gardener (laughs) and you're called, you're called to, you know, garden his world, to make it better, to pull out its potential, to take the rawness and to 
organize it and, and um, you know, arrange it and build upon it, make it bigger and better. And that's that's who we are essentially as God's image bearers. When we look at when we look at the image of God, um, the image of God I used to think was like a this aspect of us that was like you know we can reason, we're different from the animals, we have emotions yeah. and emotional intelligence. And though I think there is some of that, I think um, Im- the image of God is more a statement of purpose, and it's more a statement of um, of the our our duty. Um, if you look at kind of the ancient Near Eastern cultures, um, they their kings, their rulers were called the image of God. They were they were the images of their gods. And so when the the um, Genesis, when the writers of Genesis come in, they're like, "Hey, no, mankind." is made in God's image. We are, um, God's image bearers in, in the world. And so the way that we image him is by creating, by taking, you know, his garden and, and I love and that. Ruling over yeah. It. We tend to, you know, the image of God, the Imago Dei, we tend to define it as a Westerner, you know, the powers of rationalism, you know, a moral nature, but, you know, especially yeah. rationalism, reason, you know, we're, we're a cut above the animal kingdom, of course, well above it. And, but right. someone has said recently that I heard teach that the Bible is actually an Eastern book. It doesn't, you know, we as wet, we had, and, and yep. so you're exactly right about the Eastern worldview would see a, a king as an image bearer of God, right? And so you're saying that God mm-hmm. placed Adam and Eve in the garden as a king and a queen, as it were, and they are to image God yep. and to really be what we could call a vice regent to administer God's kingdom on his behalf. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a perfect way to say it because, you know, that that's the task he gave us in the beginning was to rule, to, um, he's, he's given us kind of sub authority under him to, um, govern and to manage his world. And I don't think, you know, we, you could have a discussion about this, but I don't think he ever intended for, um, the garden to stay within, you know, Eden. He extended. He exp- he meant for it that. to go yeah. out through time and through descendants for it to expand throughout the earth. You're saying yeah. yes, because yep. outside of the garden, seemingly there was some disorder. There was, uh, you know, the serpent was out there. You know, the the devil was out there. He of course came into the garden and yep. uh, began to tempt and to call into question God's uh, character and God's image. But um, yeah, so so you're not saying yep. garden as proper like getting in the dirt that limited sense of gardening proper gardening. You can, you can cultivate and garden like in the space of medicine, right. Or, or education or or any space. Yeah. The, the principle, the principle underlying the gardening is taking the, the raw materials, the, the, um, you know, when, when God creates, um, in the first chapter of Genesis, it it says that he takes the, um, Mm -hmm. formless and void and he, and he creates out of that, and that's what we're we're called to do. We take we take what is formless. So so a plot of ground. If we're taking the garden analogy, a plot of ground that's filled with weeds and it's formless and void and empty, we're called. We he calls us to actually go and till it and to um, plant seeds and to grow it, make it beautiful with flowers, make it useful with with fruit. And I think that whole paradigm is not just a gardening thing. It's um, it's people creating businesses that they're arranging their resources in such a way that it um, generates this um, network of people or products or services that can serve people or to make things be- um, the world beautiful. Sure. Create art. Yeah, Dustin, what does that look like in the education space? How would you perceive it there? 
for you know for somebody with a uh, kingdom worldview who understands this this um, opportunity and responsibility to cultivate whatever their niche is or their role is within education, but to to apply it there, just as an example. I think we're we're called to be um, creative in our uh, in our um, education and our the way that we administer and teach and and kind of um, pass down those um, ideas mm-hmm. to our our children. Um, God calls us to write it on. Um, our doorpost and um, on our on our head and our forehead, we kind of write those things on our um, you know on our hearts. And you know, he, he he calls us to teach those to our children, and it's passed down from generation to generation. That's another way in which his his kingdom expands throughout the world. It's from generation. It's it's releasing the latent potential of of uh, things, right? And you know, like my wife and I are taking a wellness class right now. I had a bit of a health scare last year. I was hit from behind. It triggered a bit of a health scare, and um, um, so really on a wellness and health journey since then in terms of <laughs> our diet and exercise and all kinds of things. But it's amazing to me, like you know, you have like the establishment in medicine that's largely. I don't want to, you know, paint it too broadly with a brush, but it's largely based on pharmaceuticals and, and surgical procedures and, you know, the, you know, the Western view of medicine. But if, if you get onto YouTube and find credible sources that they're really releasing like the latent potential of eating whole foods and, you know, healing, healing yourself with food yeah. and yeah. Uh, all kinds of innovative yeah. and creative, you know, fasting, intermittent fasting. Yeah, it, so this would be an example of, of, you know, like releasing the latent potential I'm, I'm not downing traditional medicine in the West. I'm very grateful for surgery and for pharmaceuticals, right, right. especially when needed. But um, with a, um, a more naturalistic approach, you know, it, this is an example in the area of mm-hmm. health and wellness where, where people are getting in there and, you know, just beginning to cultivate and release potential. And it's yep. really helping people. Yeah. yeah. And think about all the all of the like raw materials that it takes to um, – develop the the you know chemical whatever they do to make medicine i'm I'm, i do not know much about medicine so don't don't hold me to that but you know all of the stuff that we you know medical advancements and technological advance advancements and um culinary advancements all this stuff like if you if you dig back into it it's just it's it's all just taking god's world his materials and organizing it or patterning it or whatever to come up with this to release its its full potential and i don't think we're we're at the pinnacle like we're I, we've I, got a long way yeah to go. <laughs> there, there's more and more discoveries um, out you know, and, last summer last august we were in washington dc and we were visiting i think it's called the national botanical gardens right there on the mall and I, and we and we were in we were in mm-hmm. an area where they were featuring plants that were used for medicine and i was doing some reading of some of this signage and i was just amazed where it was saying that really a lot of the pharmaceuticals that we have today are discovered in plants, the chemical structure of plants, and they yeah. then are able to take that synthetically and mimic it or mirror it, what they find in plants around the world, you know? So, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I just think a lot, I just think that really, I mean, everything is ultimately sourced in God and in his, in, and in his creativity. Have you heard of George Washington yep. Carver, the black yep. botanist from the 1800s? I, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated. I wrote an article about him. I'm really fast. He, he was a, he was a Christian. He was adopted by by a, by a white family in the South and, and ultimately came out of slavery. He had advanced education in botany, but he testified before Congress that it was God. When he went into his laboratory, it was God who gave him insight into the plant world. 
And he, he took the peanut apart as an example and discovered something like 150 yeah. uses or maybe more for the peanut. You know, so here he is releasing the latent potential of God's original creation. Just a tiny aspect of it did the same with sweet potatoes, revolutionized uh, Southern agriculture, just changed it from a cotton-based economy, you know, diversified it. So God used him, and he said that he received these things from God, these insights and this intelligence. Um, that would be a really big example of cultivating part of God's creation, but it's almost, it's almost yeah, literal. Really, like. <laughs> it is literal, but we should yeah see it as a picture yep. or, or, or as an example of what we can do in whatever spheres and, 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 and spaces God has called us into. So I, I really right. like your perspective of looking like back into Eden, uh, looking into like seeing kingdom DNA there, like our roles as Kings and as priests, as image bearers, we can find precedents in the Old yep. Testament, which are really ultimately fulfilled in our time in the New Covenant. So um, yep. let me ask you a question. Jesus, I think it was Jesus. I think it was a Christophany. It says the Lord appeared in the garden in the cool of the day with a question, Adam, where are you? What do you think he was really yep. asking there? I think he was alluding to the fact that he that mankind is lost now. He, he Mankind took um, took from the tree and ate from the tree. He was now the one that was deciding what was good and bad. He was the one that knew good and bad rather than trusting God. And so his, I think personally, God asking that is basically him saying, you know, it's it's alluding to the fact that man was yeah. lost. It, yeah, I've begun, um, I've begun to think of it too. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Jesus said in the New Testament that the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. But what are we lost from? Yeah. You know? When you're when you're lost, there there's a right. place you're supposed to be that you're no longer there, and, and you can't and you and you can't get to it. Uh, yep. And so I'm suggesting that regeneration in Christ is the beginning of returning to this Eden dynamic. If you back up real quick and um, back to that verse, the Son of Man has come to seek and right. save that which is lost. Um, Jesus calling himself the Son of Man is alluding back to something. He's a, he's he's referencing back to Daniel, where the, the guy that the person, the um, God man that um, Daniel saw in his vision was ultimately given dominion and glory ah, and a kingdom good. and a kingdom that will not pass away. Um, so him calling himself that has a lot of undertones that has kind of like the Eden DNA in it. Like it's his it's his dominion. Um, and so, yeah. And so so when God comes in, uh, when Jesus comes. He says, the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. He's He came to take us back to kind of the garden um, the garden framework. Uh, but regeneration, I think regeneration parallels the, um, the first verse of Genesis where God spoke. He creates out of darkness. He speaks um, light into it. And in, in regeneration, he's taken that, that which is dark, um, hardened, and... Um, recreating it, so to speak. Yeah, Paul seems to mirror that in Corinthians, doesn't he, when he says that, you know, those who are blinded to the gospel, the glory of God in Christ, uh, they, you know, they can't see it, but but the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts, right, to give the light of, of, of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Um, so would you agree? Yeah, go ahead. And that's, and that's um, I think, what was really cool about... Um, about God's kingdom is that it's, mm -hmm. it's a bottom up kingdom. It's, 
you take individual, he takes individuals and transforms them. And then they work, the, their salvation is worked out into the world. Whereas worldly rulers are, you know, rule top down. It has to be, people get kind of sketchy when I say that it's, every kingdom is ruled by force, but it ultimately is. Every regulation and every rule that we have in society is ultimately um, enforced at the end of the day with a gun or, or some type of a sword. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, That's force. Because Paul said, because if you yeah, don't, yeah, yeah, if you don't obey. Yeah, Paul said in Romans thirteen yeah. that they they don't bear the sword for nothing, right? They're there to punish evil, reward right. righteousness, civic leaders. But and so when and so when we when we govern when we look at economics or business or what, or what have you. We should be looking at a system in which is it's more consistent with that framework, the bottom-up right. individual um, responsibility framework, rather than the top-down forceful. Um, what value can I bring? Right? How can I multiply value? How can I better yes. your situation? Better your business? Yep. Better your body? Better your finances? Whatever you know? How can I educate better? Whatever the application right. would be. So yeah, I I think that the born again experience is not just get saved so you can go to heaven someday. But it should be understood as the beginning of a transformative process in your life that will ultimately eventuate into the new heavens and the new earth when the kingdom comes in its fullness. But we're saying that process is underway right now, right? And it's hopeful. It's, it, it, it gives so much hope and so much, um, you know, it, it, it lights a fire in you, so to speak. It really uh, is motivational. Out, yeah. Like use the, use the skills that God's given you to just go and do it and build yeah. something. So um, do you like the statement that God is sovereign, but he's given dominion to us, and we are to exercise dominion under his sovereignty as ultimate king? And vice regents, I mean, the definition of a vice regent is one who reigns on behalf of another. Uh, a synonym is like vice royalty. So Adam and Eve were vice regents or vice royalty yep. in Christ we are called back to that. I think that's, I think what, when you view the world that way in, in contrast to kind of this secular, you know, nihilism, the world becomes ah, colorful. Black and black and white TV to color TV, man. Yeah. It is so inspiring and so motivational that the horizons are so bright and, 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 you know, just distant and beautiful and magnanimous that way instead of yes. a churchianity or a waiting to go to heaven someday. And we really don't even know what heaven is anyway. In fact, we don't even realize that there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth with the city coming down here to begin with. So yep. I just say, hey, get comfortable around here and start living in the light of that horizon right now. That's what I say. Man, I'm kind of podcasting myself happy here. My goodness. You'll want to catch the second half of this episode coming up. We'll be looking at the parable of the talents. Listen, this is Jesus, maybe like you've never seen him before. He's expecting multiplication, value creation, fruitfulness, and the consequence of digging a hole and putting your life in that hole and not fully expressing your talents, your potential is not good. We're going to talk about that, the parable of the talents, Matthew chapter 25. To learn more about the podcast, go to jesussmart.com. You can see the show notes page for this episode, episode 112, with links, links to some of the resourcing that Dustin has, additional resources, taking a deeper dive on this topic. If you listen to this episode right away, as soon as it hits the feed, 
It takes a little bit of time for the show notes page to come up. It'll be there within several hours, certainly within 24 hours. Come back to the website at jesusmart.com. You can stream it there. You can share that page with others. We encourage you, if you like what you've heard in this conversation, or even if you hate it and you want to share it with someone and say, look, I hate this. What do you think? Share it with them. We're all about that. We're about the love and the hate. You can rate, review, and subscribe to this wherever you listen to podcasts. It's now on iHeartRadio, Spotify. Of course, it's on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, all the major podcast listening options, even Alexa now. We have an e-letter which goes out pretty much every week. Next level ideas and insights to challenge us to develop as a Christ follower. We're all on this quest to really potentialize as an apprentice of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing it. Remember, Jesus is infinitely brilliant. He knows how this life works best starting right now. And that horizon that's out there, the new heavens and the new earth is burning with light, life, and energy. We can start living in the light of that horizon right now. Until next time. Yeah.